Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Jadava Show. I am your host, Jacob Valier. Glad to have you with us on a Monday. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving weekend, uh, full with shopping, Black Friday, spending time with family, either in person or virtually, whatever your prerogative is. Last Thursday, it is Monday, the last day of November 2020. We have one month left in this 2020 year. Everybody, brace yourself, stay calm. 2021 is on the way, uh, but I hope you had a great weekend, watched a lot of football, Liberty is back in the top 25, ranked number 25, um, so that is fun after their big win over UMass, and uh, only two games left in that schedule, so I wanted to start with this, the NFL had a great week weekend of games last night, a lot, last, lot of different storylines a lot of different COVID-19 related drama. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I think the game of the week uh, was Kansas City and Tampa Bay. I don't know if that's a Super Bowl rematch. I know uh, Tony Romo said that on the broadcast last night. This could be a rematch between uh, the teams in the Super Bowl. Um, but I was watching a different game, I think, than what they were watching last night, what Tony Romo was watching last night. This was a battle between comfortable and uncomfortable rapport and comfortability and chemistry and a lack of chemistry, a lack of experience, lack of rapport. Patrick Mahomes was sensational. Most completions of his career, second most yards of his career. He is the MVP front runner right now, 30 touchdowns, two picks. Andy Reid's offense does not look too complicated for him. He looks like a stud again and a brilliant offensive scheme. He looks great. And they work very well together. Nobody can deny that. They're the next Sean Payton-Drew Brees tandem of the NFL. That was, in my opinion, behind Belichick-Brady, Sean Payton-Drew Brees was the second best thing. And I think now the best thing is Mahomes and Andy Reid. The Reid-Mahomes tandem will be dynamite for years to come. You watched Mahomes. He's got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill at almost 270 receiving yards yesterday. Even their complimentary guys, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, uh, their running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell, those guys all seem to just work. Andy Reid, everything seems to work with Andy Reid. And Patrick Mahomes looks like he'll be the MVP for the second time in three years with Andy Reid as his head coach. That is a dynamite, absolutely dynamite. Uh, tandem right there. But then you had uncomfortable. It's pretty clear. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, that thing don't work. It doesn't work. Brady is buttoned up. He's very mission focused, loves to throw his screen passes. Everything likes Tom Brady likes things simple and he likes things short and he likes things easy. That's how Tom Brady has played for 21 seasons now. Bruce Arians is very loose. A little unprepared. You don't know what you're going to get from Bruce Arians' teams week in and week out. And he loves to throw the deep ball. Every quarterback that Bruce Arians has had has thrown a career high in interceptions when they've had Bruce Arians. In 1998, Peyton Manning. Bruce Arians was his quarterback's coach through 28 picks. Not only a career high, but a rookie quarterback record and led the NFL that season. 2001 was the offensive coordinator for Tim Couch. Couch threw a career high in interceptions. Then he was Big Ben's offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. 
For the longest time, Big Ben had his career high in interceptions when he played with Bruce Arians as his play caller. Bruce Arians goes to Indianapolis in 2012, was the interim head coach and offensive coordinator for rookie Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck threw a career-high 18 picks in his only year with Bruce Arians. His picks sort of slowed down after that. Then the next year, Bruce Arians is the head coach of the Cardinals, and his quarterback is Carson Palmer. And Palmer throws a career-high 22 interceptions in his first year with Bruce Arians. Settle down. Carson Palmer ended up being an MVP candidate with Bruce Arians in 2015. But for the most part, he was a pretty much turnover mess because of Bruce Arians' scheme. And then first year with Bruce Arians in Tampa, Jameis Winston threw a career-high league-leading 30 interceptions, second-most picks in the season since the merger. Okay, and then Jameis Winston goes, and now Tom Brady is here. Tom Brady can't screw this up. He's got 11 picks through 12 games and is on pace for 16, which would be a career high for Tom Brady. That's Bruce Arians' scheme. He's very loose. You know, he loves to chuck it deep. He loves big, lanky receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. He's worked a couple of years with Antonio Brown. They have rapport, big guys, Rob Gronkowski. Those are big, deep threats. He loves that. Brady was wildly inaccurate with the deep ball yet again yesterday. Both of his interceptions came on passes that floated, or at least one of them floated at least 20 yards down the field. Since week six, Tom Brady has the worst deep ball accuracy in the NFL. That's Tom Brady. It wasn't until garbage time that it looked like Brady had anything going, really. And now you saw a report last night that there is reportedly tension between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, stop the presses. Coaching staff, I mean, they're th they've lost three of their last four games. When's the last time a coaching staff and quarterback weren't at odds after a bit of a losing skid? It always happens. Losing gets that for you. I told you all this before the season. The Buccaneers are 7-5, and five, which is almost exactly where I thought they would be through three quarters of the season. This team just feels very 2019 Browns. They feel very 2011 Eagles. You know, too much talent that just doesn't gel together. You need to gel as a, as a coaching staff and a quarterback and all the talent that you have. You need to gel. 2011 Eagles, they had Michael Vick, who the year before was a pro, uh, MVP candidate. LaShawn McCoy, one of the bright stars at running back. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, Riley Cooper, Brent Selleck, all of these guys a great offensive line. They signed Namdi Asamoa to be a shutdown corner. It felt like the Eagles had everything you wanted in a, in a team. And they had Andy Reid as their head coach. They ended up going 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs that year. All that talent, they didn't gel together. That does not a team that just, they just didn't work. Michael Vick and Andy Reid worked for a year, and then the next couple of years, it just didn't work. And that got Andy Reid fired. It didn't work. 2019 Browns, Baker Mayfield, oh my God, he was the best rookie quarterback of all time, 27 touchdowns, a rookie record. Uh, Odell Beckham's in town, Jarvis Landry, great number two receiver. Oh, they've got Nick Chubb. Oh, they've got Kareem Hunt. They've got all this talent. They even got Miles Garrett rushing the passer, and the Browns went 6-10 and 10 and missed the playoffs, and they were third in their division. Pittsburgh finished better than Cleveland last week, last year, and Pittsburgh had no quarterback. What was wrong with that? What happened? All that talent just doesn't gel together. They got Antonio Brown, big name receiver. When he's healthy, he's the best receiver in the league. 
Oh, since he signed, the Bucks are one and three, and Antonio Brown has 20 catches for 168 yards. Doesn't fit with Tom Brady. Sorry, I, I just don't see Antonio Brown fitting with Tom Brady. They've played five games together, including last year. Just don't believe in it. Uh, Rob Gronkowski on pace for the lowest yards per catch and lowest yards per game since his rookie season in 2010. Arians just has never liked throwing to his tight ends. We've got like a decade of proof of it. Tight ends, except for Heath Miller, don't really ever get the ball in a Bruce Arians offense. Gronk ain't getting the ball. It's just a lot of pieces that are thrown together and expected to work immediately without OTAs, without a preseason. And that's why I just never like Tampa Bay as a Super Bowl team. I don't think this is I don't think this is a team that can win two playoff games. They're not very buttoned up. They're not very, you know, they're just loose. They're they're not what you expect in a Tom Brady team. Tom Brady has worked well with coaches that are very driven, mission-focused, and I just don't know if that is what Bruce Arians is. That's what Bill Belichick is. I don't know if that's what Bruce Arians is. So you watched yesterday the best quarterback on the planet throw to the best wide receiver on the planet while being coached by the best head coach on the planet for about three hours. And they've all worked together for four seasons now. That works. They have rapport. They've worked together for years. They've all won a championship together, and they may win another one. Okay, experience, rapport, and chemistry work in the NFL. Whatever the Buccaneers are doing right now does not, and you saw that on full display at Raymond James Stadium yesterday. Tom Brady's lost three straight games at home for the first time in his career. You're just seeing it. First time he's done that, he'll probably throw a career high in interceptions. This just is not a typical Tom Brady year. Okay, so uh, when men are stubborn, let me shift to this. Men are very stubborn. They're more stubborn than women are. Men are stubborn about things that they have done, if, if about decisions they make. If a man makes a decision and it works initially, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work after that. They're sticking with that. They hate admitting when they are wrong. Men do. I can speak for myself because I'm a man. When they try and make their wrong look right in the most convenient ways, it just looks even worse until the point that they can't defend it anymore. But men are incredibly stubborn about decisions they make. For example, and this is just one example. I took a shortcut. To, I go to school at Liberty University and I lived off campus as a junior last year. And I would take shortcuts to campus last year all the time. There was one shortcut that really, really worked in the first few weeks of the semester. So I would drive that way. It worked out really well. I got to campus seven minutes earlier than I would if I had taken my regular route. Okay, and it worked. But then they started doing construction. And there was traffic stoppages. There were, you know, a lot more traffic on those roads. And it took me a little bit longer than it would have if I had taken the other direction. But it worked at first. And I kept driving that way, and I kept thinking, that is going to open up one of these days, and I'm going to take the shortcut and get to campus earlier. And it never worked. I just, I, I was stubborn, and I said, this is the shortcut. Trust me, I will get there quicker this way. And I just never did, even though I initially did. Men that are in bad relationships, they hate admitting that they have chosen the wrong person. They love to post pictures on Instagram and make it seem like everything's okay. Hey, it's working. I, But deep down, they know it's not. They're just being stubborn. They don't want to 
try again. They don't want to go after another type of relationship. They don't want to start over. So they're stubborn and they trick themselves into believing they've made the right choice when they clearly haven't. Mitchell Trubisky last night is proven to have not worked. I could have told you that three years ago when they drafted him number two overall. There's just no it factor there. He has an incredibly low ceiling. He can't go much farther than his best days. He is a backup type of talent in the NFL. He's a nice kid, but he's extremely limited. He's nowhere close to being a game changer when he's on offense. And oftentimes he's more liability than asset. No it factor. In the NFL, I believe you need to have an it factor to succeed. I think everybody does. And I don't think that's a hot take. You need to have an extremely good quarterback to win. Patrick Mahomes won last year's Super Bowl. Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls. You don't think those guys are game changers? You need a game changer. Mitchell Trubisky isn't even close. You can win a division with Trubisky, okay, on an off year where Aaron Rodgers is hurt, but not long term. No, you can't do that. If you're a quarterback in the AFC North or the NFC North, you know, colder weather cities, you need to have a huge arm that can sort of pierce through the cold and the wind. That's what I thought back in 2017 when the Bears took Trubisky. I said, this guy can't do it. You need to have a guy like a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Jay Cutler, Matthew Stafford, even guys like Carson Palmer or from the 80s, Jim McMahon. You need guys like that, big, strong-armed guys that can pierce through the cold weather of Chicago, the cold weather of Green Bay, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. You know, you 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 can't just trot out guys like Mitch Trubisky, like Baker Mayfield. For the longest time, Cincinnati did it with Andy Dalton. You can't just trot these guys out. You know, they have average arms in cold weather cities where you need a rifle. Trubisky doesn't have a rifle. He's got a pop gun arm. I think he's a slightly better version of Colt McCoy. And you saw Colt McCoy against the Giants yesterday. Not a lot of arm strength. Not a great talent. Trubisky's not a great talent. I could tell you back in 2017, this is a backup quarterback. I watched him yesterday until garbage time in the first two and a half quarters. Trubisky was just tough to watch. No arm strength. Cannot throw against colder weather. I mean, they made a big mistake. They're not owning up to it. The GM of the Bears, Ryan Pace, made a huge mistake and is not living up to it because he is being stubborn. He is continuing to sell Trubisky to Bears fans when they've clearly moved on. Even Nick Foles is considered a better option, and Nick Foles is a pop-gun-armed, backup-level quarterback. It's better to move on from quarterbacks too soon rather than too late. The Ravens had Lamar Jackson. They were winning with Lamar Jackson. They had won a Super Bowl, excuse me, with Joe Flacco. They decided to draft Lamar Jackson, use a first-round pick on him, and look what's happened. They were... He was an MVP 14-win quarterback last year. The Chiefs were winning with Alex Smith in Kansas City. Eh, we could, we could do better, they said, and they went out and drafted Patrick Mahomes. And look where they are now. They're the best team in the league. Mitchell Trubisky has not worked for years. You can win a division with them. They went 12-4 and and almost won a playoff game with the number one rated defense. But it took the Bears three and a half years to realize that Trubisky doesn't work. They wasted an elite championship caliber defense in the process. That, in my opinion, is what is going to get Ryan Pace fired as Bears GM and what may end up getting Matt Nagy fired as Bears head coach. 
So watching that game last night, there was plenty good about the Packers. We know what they are. The Bears aren't a good team. They're five and six, and the Packers love to beat up on bad teams. Last night was exactly what Aaron Rodgers loves to do, what he's most comfortable doing. But Trubisky is a big reason for why the Packers won that game, because he was awful. He committed three back-breaking turnovers in the first half that pretty much put this game out of reach early. All right, so we do this every Monday. Uh, the good, bad, and the ugly of the NFL. Uh, plenty good, plenty bad, a whole lot of ugly. Every week, it's almost like they're, how do you even fathom people being ugly 12 to 13 weeks into the season? But there's still a lot of wrong with this league. So here we go. We'll start with the good. What was good about week 12 of the NFL? Well, Derrick Henry is still extremely good. 178 yards, three touchdowns against the Colts. Stingy rushing defense yesterday. He's on pace to lead the NFL in rushing for the second straight year. The Titans are 8-3 with the number six scoring offense, and Ryan Tannehill is having a career resurgence, and I put a lot of that on the shoulders of Derrick Henry. He is a huge part of the Titans completely changing the culture around. The last couple of years, they've turned into a championship-caliber team. They're 8-3. I've been saying it all along. This is their division. They're better than Indianapolis because they have a better coach, they have a better quarterback, and they have a better running game. And I personally think they have slightly better receivers. Defense is a question mark in Tennessee. Still have no pass rush. Still have a pretty lousy secondary. But offensively, they are extremely talented. Okay? And the Titans are going to win a lot more games, and they're going to win the AFC South this year. Uh, what else was good? Justin Jefferson guaranteed stud every week at wide receiver for Minnesota. Seven catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns, and a comeback win over Carolina yesterday. Uh, they were... He is a perfect replacement and a, almost a carbon copy of Stefan Diggs in that offense. Excellent route runner, is always open, great hands. It seems like he is the focal point on offense, even when Adam Thielen's healthy, and he's a perfect fit for the style of play that Kirk Cousins implements, and this seems to be a perfect fit. I, I, I love it. All right, what else was good? The Browns' running game was great. They ran for 207 more yards against Jacksonville. They're the number one rushing team in the league. Eight and three. The Browns are eight and three. Can you believe that? They have an excellent pass rush, excellent running game. They have a very underrated offensive line and secondary. They are propping up, in my opinion, one of the more mediocre quarterbacks in the league with Baker Mayfield. Did you see Baker Mayfield miss a wide-open touchdown in the first quarter to Rashard Higgins? Just Baker Mayfield's the liability on that offense. They have nice possession receivers like Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins and a nice tight end in Austin Hooper. Okay, they can put up points, the Browns, and they've got an excellent running game. They're 8-3 and three with them propping up a mediocre quarterback, which is very impressive. And Kevin Stefanski, in his first year as head coach, should take a bow because he looks like he could be the coach of the year. If the season ended today, I'm giving Stefanski coach of the year in my book. He'd be the first Browns coach since the 70s to be coach of the year. Wow. All right, what else was good? I already said it earlier, but Tyreek Hill had 203 receiving yards in the first quarter against Tampa Bay yesterday. First quarter. Best deep threat in the NFL. Arguably the best receiver in the league. And when he is on, when he is really on, the Chiefs offense is about as unstoppable as I've ever seen before. Tyreek Hill is amazing. 269 yards, 13 catches, three touchdowns against one of the more underrated secondaries in the NFL. 
Take a bow. That was amazing. And what else was good? Aaron Rodgers. Four more touchdowns. Leads the NFL with 33. Without Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers would be the odds-on favorite to win MVP for the third time in his career. 33 touchdowns, four interceptions. Aaron Rodgers has been amazing. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in six straight games. Half of those, half of the time he has thrown four. Okay. And the Packers right now seem to be pretty unstoppable when they play bad teams and they play a lot of bad teams. Packers are easily going to win their NFC North division. Doesn't matter what the rest of the teams do there. So the good Derek Henry, Justin Jefferson, Brown's running game, Tyreek Hill and Aaron uh, Rodgers. What was bad? Jared Goff against the 49ers was bad yesterday. He's lost four straight games to San Francisco, looked awful yesterday, no touchdowns, two picks, has struggled with accuracy against San Francisco this year. He's starting to look inconsistent, and this is a good team. This might be The Rams might be the best team in that division. At 7-4, and four, Jared Goff may end up looking more and more like the liability in this offense. Back-to-back weeks with multiple interceptions. Okay, he has struggled with accuracy this season. Started the year off really, really hot. He's been throwing a lot of picks recently, and I don't know if the Rams are really a Super Bowl contender anymore with Jared Goff under center. What else was bad? The Jets with Sam Darnold are bad. The Jets are ugly. Okay, I'd put the Jets as ugly. Sam Darnold, when he has played, they're 0-7, and he's thrown three touchdowns to eight interceptions. I know they're completely destitute on offense. They, Darnold's not to blame for a lot of it. And I actually kind of like Sam Darnold. I think he's got plenty of arm. I think he's a great athlete. And I think he's just in a, a rancid situation. Okay. But could it be that he may just be a bottom barrel quarterback? Like that's what he is. I think he's very talented, but I think he's also very mistake prone. I think he doesn't take many chances downfield, but when he does, he's, you know, he tends to throw picks. He tends to be a little bit, you know, inconsistent. He doesn't roll the dice very often. The Jets don't have any offensive personnel. What if Sam Darnold just is going, is what he is, a turnover-prone mess that isn't very aggressive? What What if that's what he is? All right, uh, so that was bad. Jared Goff against the Niners and Jets with Sam Darnold. Uh, what was ugly? Derek Carr was ugly against the Falcons yesterday. Four turnovers, three lost fumbles, lost by 37 to the previously three-win Falcons. Uh, that's one game I can't unsee. I can't unsee Derek Carr melting down against the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. I thought the Raiders were a borderline playoff team. They're now on the outside looking in. <laughs> this, I, I keep telling you, I think Derek Carr is good, but I think he's also a little bit more limited than we think. And you saw it yesterday. Very limited. I I, I just, I, I didn't see it. They had every opportunity to go out and come back and win that game. And they just gave the Falcons short fields all over the place. Falcons kicker, Young Way Koo, was amazing yesterday. Nailed a couple of really long ones. This is just, it's not, it's not pretty. The Raiders are six and five and they're fading fast at losing two in a row. All right. Uh, what else was ugly? The Bengals without Joe Burrow are an ugly mess. Brandon Allen isn't an NFL quarterback. Zach Taylor is not an NFL head coach. Both things can be true. Okay. Brandon Allen yesterday, I felt like every time he dropped back to throw the ball, just throwing these little five yard slants, you know, where the receivers got tackled immediately. That's not an NFL caliber arm. I know the guys made four starts in the NFL, but he's not an NFL quarterback. I don't care. Zach Taylor is now. Four 
22 and one as a head coach in the NFL. That's not, that's not good enough. You've had talent. You've had offensive talent and you're an offensive coach and you can't figure out a way to win more than four games. That's not good. That's not good. He'll be fired. This get and the Bengals will be an unwatchable disaster for the last four or five games this season. It ain't pretty folks. Uh, what else was ugly? The Broncos saints game being played yesterday was ugly. Denver had no quarterback. They had 13 passing yards all day. They started a practice squad wide receiver and Kendall Hinton at quarterback. And it just wasn't fit. You know, sometimes I watch football games like a few years ago. I remember Denver played Jacksonville. Denver was undefeated. Best team in the league, best offense in the NFL. And Jacksonville was winless and by far the worst team in the league. And I thought, and it was at Denver and Peyton Manning was MVP. And I said, Lord almighty, this game isn't fair. Peyton Manning is going to dismantle the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Peyton Manning actually had his quietest game of the year that, uh, or to that point in that game, and they committed some turnovers. And Jacksonville had a chance. They were really tight in the third quarter of that game. And it just goes to show you, you know, if both teams have a competent NFL, have a quarterback, a guy who can play quarterback, they're fine. You know, the game will be a little bit more competitive than if it wasn't. The Broncos did not have a quarterback yesterday. They were running the Wildcat more than 50% of the time. It wasn't fair. I rarely look at games and say that wasn't fair. It was not fair watching Denver try and put up a game against the now 9-2 and two New Orleans Saints yesterday. It wasn't fair. Um, obviously, they were all gone because of COVID. Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, and Blake Bortles were all out for COVID protocols because Jeff Driscoll tested positive. So it wasn't fair. And last but not least, what was ugly? Oh, my goodness, the Chargers play calling. Did Anthony Lynn look like a coach that wanted to get fired, that was trying to get fired yesterday? It was awful. Last two years, the Chargers under Anthony Lynn are 8-19, and despite having Phillip Rivers and Justin Herbert at quarterback. They're a mess right now. Look, they have all the – I really don't look around at the Chargers and see a lot of deficiencies. I see, okay, they need an offensive line. Yeah, they, they definitely do. They probably need a bell cow running back, and they need maybe a safety. But outside of that, the Chargers look to be pretty much set with their offense, and Anthony Lynn's play calling is just running them into the ground. You saw it against Buffalo yesterday, running the ball with no timeouts, down 10. They were at the goal line with 30 seconds left, no timeouts, down by 10, and they ran the ball at the one-yard line. It was a mess. And then they did it again two plays later. Third and goal, the clock just ran out. And terrible fourth down play calling, brutal play designs the entire day. Anthony Lynn looks like a guy that wants to get fired by the Chargers this offseason, and I think he'll get his wish. He'll be – the Chargers are going to fire him. Okay, th that team is too good to be 3-8 and eight right now and 8-19 and 19 in their last two seasons. They're too good. They're wasting their time with Anthony Lynn as their head coach, so – that's the ugly. Derek Carr, Bengals without Joe Burrow, the, the Saints-Broncos game even being played, and the Chargers play calling, specifically Anthony Lynn, was all ugly. Okay, so uh, that is it for me. There is a game tonight, Seattle Seahawks at Philadelphia Eagles. I am picking. Uh, Seattle is currently a six-and-a-half point. They're giving Seattle six-and-a-half on the road against Philly. Uh, I am going to take the Eagles at plus six-and-a-half here. I know that's probably an unpopular pick, but hear me out. Eagles have kept some games pretty close. I know Seattle is, you know, they are what they are. They're amazing. Okay, offensively especially. and But the Eagles have actually put together, 
you know, teams, uh, defensive efforts that are a bit underrated. They're middle of the pack scoring defense. Uh, they gave up, they have not given up more than 30 in four straight games. Uh, I think this might be a little bit closer than you might think. It was close against Cleveland last week. They covered against Cleveland last week. Uh, it was closer against the Giants a couple weeks ago, and it was close against Baltimore, and they were pretty well revered back then, Baltimore. I think this might be close, so I'm taking the Eagles plus six and a half, but that is enough for me. We will see you tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight, Seahawks and Eagles, uh, and there might still be a Tuesday game. Ravens-Steelers originally scheduled for Thanksgiving, and they'll be on Tuesday. Uh, if that game happens, it'll be Big Ben versus Ravens backup Robert Griffin III. Hope you all have a great rest of your Monday, and uh, until then, we will see you tomorrow. And I am your host, Jacob Valley here, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been the Jadava Show.